This is Parsha Panorama. This week's Parsha is Parsha Devarim here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where we are now opening up a new Sefer, a new adventure of sorts, but the same mission to try to understand the Parsha, get a panoramic view of the Parsha, of course, but also to understand the role of the Parsha, and in this case, the Sefer, in the larger panorama that is the Torah. And immediately, we recognize that Sefer Devarim is quite different in nature from the rest of the Torah. And what we're going to try to do is um, try to understand the necessity of such a Sefer. The main feature of Sefer Devarim, the, the main unique feature, you know, that feature that makes Devarim unique, would be the fact that it's spoken through the voice, the first-hand, first-person voice of Moshe Rabbeinu. Right, the, the Chumash begins Parshas Devarim by saying, um, We're going to talk a little bit more about the setting of Devarim, which is very strange. It's the basis for some Mamori Chazal to try to understand exactly what is the discussion that Moshe Rabbeinu is about to have with the Bnei Yisrael. But as we are looking at Sefer Devarim and having a basic understanding of what Devarim is, and we have not quite gotten there yet, but we will notice immediately that there is a unique challenge to trying to understand all of the Parshios in Sefer Devarim. And that is because there are no new stories in Sefer Devarim, right? The last actual story of the Torah took place at the end of Bamidbar, which we spoke about last week in Parshas Matos Masay. And in Devarim, with the exception of Moshe Rabbeinu literally going to die, you know, after teaching the Bnei Israel the Shira, finishing his speech, fine, all of that um, takes place at the end of the Torah, the Moshe Rabbeinu go, goes up to die. But up until that point, there is no new narrative. It's Moshe Rabbeinu talking about old narratives, actually. So everything in Devarim, at least from the standpoint of narrative up until the end of Moshe's speech, is a review in terms of at least the narrative. But, of course, we know that there are certainly new aspects to Devarim, things that we have not had before. So when we look at Devarim as a safer, um, at least from, you know, the, from the standpoint of the Parsha, um, I, we can say simply that Devarim is just part one of Moshe Rabbeinu's final address to Am Yisrael. Now, what we have to understand is what is Moshe Rabbeinu's final address to Am Yisrael about? And at first glance, it's not entirely clear because there's on the one hand, as we said, a review of a lot of what we had in the Torah earlier. So there's going to be some history, but it's not just history. Moshe Rabbeinu does not just, you know, start from point one. He does not just start from Bereshis, right? But Devarim is called Mishnah Torah by Chazal, referring to a review of the Torah. Mishnah means a review or a synopsis. But Moshe Rabbeinu does not quite start from Bereshis. He does not do what we do at Parsha Panorama almost weekly and, and give you all the, you know, the entire Torah from the beginning to the end and how, and how we got there. But he, Moshe Rabbeinu starts from a very particular point. He goes through some history, but then there's also a lot of hashkafa, right, where Moshe Rabbeinu is giving musr to the people. 
there's plenty of that where it's not discussing any mitzvah in particular. It's not talking about any historical account, but it's talking about general hashkafa, approach to Avodah Hashem. You know, before any of the great Musar Svarim, there was Sefer Dvarim. So we have plenty of that. And then there's this sort of complementary and supplementary nature to Dvarim. Because, if you think about it, it's complementary in the sense that we get a different view of a lot of stories that we heard already. And Moshe Rabbeinu does not just tell us word for word what we already know from previous parshios, but whichever parshios he decides to elaborate on and give us the story. So there are details that maybe you can argue that they seem to change, or they're just details that we did not get before. We get a different side of the story, apparently from the viewpoint of Moshe Rabbeinu. Nonetheless, we still acknowledge that even Sefer Devarim, although it's from the mouth of Moshe Rabbeinu, and it has a different nature than the rest of the Torah, um, even Devarim is, is written B'Nevuah. Right? You, don't, you don't have any part of the Torah that's written that's not, not B'Darach Nevuah. But Devarim is a, a certainly more personal kind of a voice, as we'll talk about as well in future parshios. But it's complementary, again, in nature, that we get a different side of the story, and it helps enhance our understanding and enrich our understanding of other stories, giving us that other side. And it's supplementary in the sense that we don't actually see the entire Torah from all the parshios up until Devarim. Because apparently there are a whole slew of mitzvos that we had not yet seen before. Many of which are going to be in Parsha's Kiseitse, which has 74 mitzvos, the most mitzvos of any parsha. And how many of them have we not seen up until this point? So apparently, you know, Devarim was meant, you know, even, even if you want to say that we didn't need Mishnah Torah, which I'm not going to say, and even if you're going to say that we don't need the review that Moshe Rabbeinu is doing, there's so many new things in Devarim that Devarim cannot simply just be a review. But Devarim, in many ways, fills in blanks that were left in the rest of the Torah, which apparently demonstrates a more fundamental role that Devarim plays. That apparently Devarim is obviously just as much part of the Torah. It's not just something that can be neglected. There are things that you would not have known if you didn't get to Devarim. But also, as we're going to see, if you, if you think about what the, what the point of Mishnah Torah is, so again, it seems like that role is not fulfilled necessarily um, by... On the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu is not literally going through everything that we heard already, and he's adding some new things. And I say he, I put that in quotes. Uh, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu does not do anything um, on his own. I mean, there, there are a couple of things that he did on his own in the Gemara and Shabbos and Daf Pezayin says that Hashem um, um, conceded and acquiesced when, when Moshe Rabbeinu did certain things. But Sefer Devarim was not one of those things that Moshe Rabbeinu just did on his own. So, if you think about that, Mishnah Torah, apparently every review, and maybe this is a good muster for us, when you review something, apparently we are not just, um, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not just reviewing. Apparently everything that's even just a review is apparently an opportunity to, to learn something new, that there, there might be something that you did not see the first time. 
So apparently part of Mishnah Torah is, again, not just a review, but it's apparently the things that we gain from a review, the things that we might not have seen before. And in this case, um, the, the, I would say that part of Mishnah Torah is the communication of the Torah, everything that we've said earlier. So everything that we've taught up until this point, there's a mode of communication of all of that. You can't just say, here's the subject matter, but Moshe Rabbeinu has a way of, of repackaging it in his, in, in his own way and teaching it to the Bnei Yisrael. And that's exactly what happens here in Devarim. And with that comes all the other things that have to be taught. And so that's a little bit of what Devarim is about. Other aspects of Devarim that are, that are important um, for, for us is um, the, you know, the, the, the attention to smichus or juxtapositions in Devarim. This is, um, you know, this goes back to a machlokus in the Gemara, whether or not we darshan smuchen, right, right parshios that are put next to each other. Do we say, do we learn things out from that? So that's a machlokus, but in Devarim, everyone agrees. In Mishnah Torah, everyone agrees that we do darshan smuchen. And the point is that Devarim, in this kind of way, is you could think of it as a stream of consciousness. Whatever Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about, so... You know, he's talking about it in a, in a very particular sequence. And if he is, that means that we have to be paying close attention to the sequencing of events. And that brings us to the topics in Parshas Devarim. So when we get to the topics of Parshas Devarim, we have to, again, pay attention to sequence. Because when Moshe Rabbeinu gives us this quote-unquote review, he does things in a very seemingly strange manner. So that his speech, his review of the history seems to be a splicing of events, a piecing together of different uh, parts of history, where it's very selective. Moshe Rabbeinu decides what he wants to talk about, quote-unquote, um, or whatever it is that the Bnei Israel need to hear, and that's what comes out. So I have four sections devoted um, to Sefer, sorry, to Parshas Devarim, and we have, number one, we have the introduction, or the setting for Devarim which is a bunch of psukim, surprisingly. This is what Chazal referred to as the Veiled Rebuke, or at least it's what Art Scroll refers to as the Veiled Rebuke, based on Rashi. Um, the way Rashi refers to it is, he says, um, um, it says um, he was giving divrei tochachos, and his kiran b'remez. So these are, um, the, apparently, the beginning of Moshe Rabbeinu's words have inside them this Veiled Rebuke. Why? Well, if you look really closely at the, at the Parsha, um, it, it takes a long time for the Torah to get to the point that Moshe Rabbeinu starts talking. Right, you got to have a bunch of psukim. Okay, so now where are we? Apparently we're on the opposite side of the Arden. In the desert or in the wilderness. In the plain. Opposite the sea. Bain Paran Uvain Tovel, apparently between Paran and Tovel. Vilavan and Lavan, what in the world is that? Vachatseros Vidizahav. So what what are all these things? So we know famously, if you look at Rashi, Rashi tells us that these are all references to different events in history. And you keep going, keep reading the Psukim, right? And, um, and even though, you know, again, we are, we, uh, we are accustomed to thinking of these things as references to events in history, times that the Bnei Israel upset Hashem, and Moshe Rabbein is alluding to them now. So we'll, 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 we'll look at a couple of other Mepharshim that have, uh, have different responses to this. But if you keep reading the Psukim, the Psukim are not finished giving us the setting. 
11 days from Chorev, Derech Har Seir, on the road to the mountain of Seir, Ad Kadesh Barnea, until Kadesh Barnea. Vayihi, and it was, we're in the third Pasuk now, in the 40th year, Ba'ashtea Sar Chodesh, Be'echad Lachodesh, it's in the 11th month, on the first of the month, Diber um, Moshe, okay, we get, we're, again, we're, we, in case you forgot that Moshe Rabbeinu is, uh, is about to start talking, so the Chumash reminds us, Diber Moshe al Bnei Yisrael, Kechol Asher Hashem Aleihem. So Moshe speaks to the Bnei Yisrael regarding all the things that Hashem had commanded him. So clearly, this is, um, uh, um, this is about to be about the Torah at large. Devarim tells us that from the beginning. But you keep going, we're not even finished with the setting. Pasuk Dalad. Achari hakosoi, Sichon, after they hit Sichon, Melech Ahoimari, Asher Yoshev Bechesh, and they also, after they smote Og, Okay, fine. Pasuk Hay. On the other side of the Jordan. Okay, I thought we knew that already, but fine. The Eretz Moab in the land of Moab. Hoel, Moshe, Moshe began. Finally, Pasuk Vav. He starts talking. Hashem started speaking to us um, in Chorev at Har Sinai. Okay, so you get the problem. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, we can't address every question right here, but you see that the beginning of the parsha has a very, very extended description of the setting. And once again, Rashi, quoting from Midrashim, tells us that all these things are, are, are um, most of these things, I should say, are these phrases are references to different um, events in history. So Lavan is a reference to the Mun, which the Bnei Yisrael spoke badly about. Dizahav, which means enough gold, um, is a reference to the Chaita Egel. So you get the idea. And these are all different, expo- you know, different explanations that are offered in Chazal. Now, you know, before we get to any of the other sections, let's just address this question. Where exactly did Devarim take place? Right, the Chumash describes location, the setting, in a very verbose way. Names, places that you've never heard of before. You won't find them on the map. And Rav Hirsch also makes reference to this Medrash that Rashi quotes. It's from the Sifrei. But you find other explanations out there. So apparently the Rajbam, Svarno, the Ibn Ezra, Kedar, Kamba, Kodesh, I mean, they, they, they always go for Pasha Pshat. And they explain somehow that all of these um, words, which seem to be very vague, apparently they are places. They are all part of the setting. And the Chumash apparently is giving a very precise setting, even though these are places that we're not familiar with. So it's a little bit of a Tzarech Iyun, um, a little bit complicated to understand um, you know, what these places are. But that said, this is a very extended setting. And... Um, and the, the, the pashtus of where everything is taking place is in Arvos Moav. This is the, the new Kavan taking place in Arvos Moav. Fine. Okay. So that's all section one. We have the introduction. We have the setting. Then we get to Moshe Benu's speech. And here we have the next three sections. Sections two, three, and four. Section two, Moshe Benu describes the Bnei Yisrael's leave of Har Sinai, followed by the institution of Judges. Rashi understands that this is a reference to the story of Yisro, but um, if you listen to Musar Minutes, and we're going to come back to what we spoke about then, there is, uh, there is seemingly an issue here because Moshe Rabbeinu completely omits Yisro, even at the part where you would think he would have mentioned Yisro, where he talks about the institution of judges, which was, according to the Chumash in, in Parshas Yisro, this was Yisro's idea. Um, and and in, so the... The point um, is that it's very strange for Moshe Rabbeinu to leave that out. What's also strange is what Moshe Rabbeinu decides to talk about next. 
he first talks about how they were leaving Har Sinai, and then at that time it was very, you know, there were too many people, and Moshe Rabbeinu needed assistance with, with judging and ruling the people and leading the people. Fine, so they instituted judges. Um, and we're going to see that maybe this happened more than one time in history, um, in the Midbar. But before we get there, the very next story Moshe Rabbeinu decides to talk about in section 3, we have the Chet HaMeraglim. And uh, the fallout, which um, resulted in the Ma'pilim, right? The Chet Maraglim, the Maraglim said, hey, we don't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. Fine. Then we had the Ma'pilim, the Ma'pilim said, hey, let's try to go into Eretz Yisrael, and they failed. Right? Um, it's, um, it's very timely because the um, Parshas Devarim is with Shabbos Chazon, which talks about, uh, or, or which is um, the intro to Tishabav. And um, the Chet Maraglim is one of the, or, um, the original causes of Tishabav. Okay, fine. Um, but why is Moshe Rabbeinu going from Harsinai, institution of judges? He jumps from Parshas Yisrael all the way to Parshas Shlach. Okay, fine. Question. We'll come back to it. Uh, and if you heard Moshe minutes, so you already know a little bit about this. And section four, finally, we have Moshe Rabbeinu describing all of the negotiations and battles that took place at the end of the 40 years. So he talks about the nations that they were forbidden from battling. Edom, Moab, Ammon, they were all off-limits. And then the wars with Sichon and Og, that Moshe Rabbeinu, um, so this was, some, this was recent history for them, they just won these wars, and so Moshe Rabbeinu talks about that a little bit, and he, and he talks about the request of Reuven and Gud, which we saw at the end of uh, Parshas Matos, and then finally he talks about how he's encouraging Yehoshua, he's, give, he's giving Yehoshua smicha. Right, so this happened in Parshas Pinchas, but now Moshe Rabbeinu is doing it in front of everyone, showing, every, telling everyone about how Yehoshua is the next guy. So the very end of the first Parsha of Moshe Rabbeinu's final speech to the Bnei Israel, Moshe Rabbeinu makes it very clear Yehoshua will be succeeding him. So what we see here is that everyone is now, it's becoming public knowledge if it wasn't already, that Moshe Rabbeinu is not leading the people into Eretz Yisrael, that's going to be Yehoshua, and, Moshe, and, and this, in a certain sense, sets the stage for next week's Parsha, where Moshe Rabbeinu really starts to, quote-unquote, get to his point. Because, again, if, is now that we know that Moshe Rabbeinu is taking leave of the Bnei Yisrael, that makes Devarim um, as significant as it is. Right, who knows if there would have been a Devarim as we know it if Moshe Rabbeinu did not hit the rock in Parshas Chukas. So there are obviously a lot of mitzvos that we would have needed to hear from, from Devarim, and maybe they would have been placed elsewhere. But Devarim is mostly devoted to Moshe Rabbeinu's final speech, which we now need because he has to give this final speech. The, the Torah ends, um, the, the narrative of the Torah ends when we go into Eretz Yisrael. So, you know, the, the, that could have ended much earlier with Moshe Rabbeinu going in as, as well with them. Apparently, part of the Torah is the communication, the Masorah, what's going to happen when Moshe Rabbeinu is gone. Um, so the intro to that is at the end of the Torah. But clearly this emphasis on the Masorah is very important. So now let's come back to our other question. question of Moshe Rabbeinu's, um, you know, piecing of history. Not only that, but again, go, going back to why Moshe Rabbeinu leaves out Yisrael. So the, this psalm has bothered many over the generations of why Moshe Rabbeinu goes from, oh, you guys were at Har Sinai, Hashem said we should leave Har Sinai, it's time to go. Then, you know, things started getting a little bit difficult, so we had to um, institute judges. And then, oh, um, and then remember that Chet HaMaraglim happened. So Moshe Rabbeinu does not decide to talk about the Chet Egel. He does not decide to talk about Korach's rebellion at this point. 
He doesn't talk about uh, Baal Pa'or, at least not here. So what does he decide to talk about? He decides to talk about leaving Harsinai and then the Chetamaraglin, and then the more recent history of the wars that they fought. So something that I think is, is um, kind of um, possible of a suggestion, and I think it's a good suggestion if I do say so myself, is that if you, if you consider these two parts of the story, these are really the bookends. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu starts, and they're not just the bookends, but the most significant bookends. Moshe Rabbeinu starts with where they were. We accepted the Torah at Har Sinai, right? That's the you know that's the most important thing for right now. This is what you're. Oh, this is what happened. We were at Har Sinai. You guys might have been really young. You might not remember us so well, but we all accepted the Torah. And then at a certain point, we had to take leave. And as we were leaving, we set up a system of judges. Fine. This was the this is the beginning of the Masorah. Now, all of a sudden, says Moshe Rabbeinu, there was a Chet HaMaraglim. That's why you guys are not in Eretz Yisrael right now. That's why the previous generation is not there. Moshe Rabbeinu is setting the stage. Where did we start? What was supposed to be our next destination? Why didn't we get there? And this actually reminds us a little bit of also Parshas Baha'u'llah, where things started to get bad. In Parshas Baha'u'llah as well, if we're wondering about Moshe Rabbeinu's piecing of history, so this works out really well when you consider Parshas Baha'u'llah, which also describes our taking leave of Har Sinai. We know that Ein Muktam Mumuchar Batora, and so a lot of Bamidbar, which we spoke about for the past bunch of weeks, is overlapping with other parts of the Torah. So overlapping perhaps with with um, a lot of Shamos. Right, we after we we built the Mishkan, fine, all of that was taking place near Har Sinai. Then we finally start to move. But Midbar is where we started to move. So really Moshe Rabbeinu does not just jump um, you know, we think of it as oh you're you're jumping from uh, Parshas Yisro all the way to Parshas Shalach, but really Yisro and Bahaloscha overlap. So that's one thing to consider. And so Moshe Rabbeinu says, there's where we were, that that is where we were, here's where we are now. We, we spent a bunch of years not being in Eretz Yisrael, but now we're fighting the wars, we're winning the wars, and now here's where we are right now. So that could be, you know, the Moshe's introduction is not giving you an entire panorama of history, but he's giving you the, um, in a certain sense, he's giving us the bookends. And he's telling us that, you know, to understand why the circumstances are the way they are it was because of the Chetamaraglim we're going to correct that because now you guys will be going into the land unlike the previous generation okay so that's 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 one approach um it does not uh, does not completely explain um why Moshe Rabbeinu leaves out Yisro's name and that one's a little bit harder um, but there, there was an approach that I saw. Um, um, I saw a couple of approaches. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of combine and use bits and pieces of them to suggest um, an approach, because not all of the mafarshim really address it. Though it's, I, I, you know, after doing some research, I see that um, more contemporary sources try to address this question. So among them, Rabbi Foreman, whose approach you may or may not um, like. Or the um, Rabbi um, Hertz Chumash, the old Sansino Chumash, he actually addresses this question a little bit. But the point is 
that if you look at Moshe Rabbeinu's speech at the beginning of Devarim, it has parallels not just to Parsha Yisra, which it certainly does, but it has, going back to that overlap, it has a lot of parallels to Parsha's Baha'u In both Parshas, Moshe Rabbeinu has leadership added on, officials um, 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 added to assist him. In Yisra, we have all the judges, and that's um, certainly the um, judges are mentioned in Devarim, but also we have the Zikanim of the Sanhedrin, 70 Zikanim, those were instituted in Parshas Mahalosha. Now, why is this significant? So this is significant because if you consider what Moshe Rabbeinu, or what Yisro's point was in having additional people to help Moshe Rabbeinu, so Moshe Rabbeinu does not seem to address that issue in this Parsha. In fact, Yisro's point is that Moshe Rabbeinu, if he's doing this all day and all night with so many people, he's going to wither away, he won't be able to, to, to handle it. And if you look at Moshe Rabbeinu's words in this week's parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu is very clear that the numbers it was not particularly what bothered him. In fact, he praises their numbers. He says, Yosef Hashem Aleichem Hashem should add on to your numbers. Kino, ki, ki, you know, Kain Yerbo, essentially, is what Moshe Rabbeinu says. But what's the problem? So, you know, we, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu is saying this to Eicha, as the Baal Kriya does. Moshe Rabbeinu is most concerned about the quarrels, the burdens, the complaints of the people. And this is very parallel to what Moshe Rabbeinu is clearly concerned about in Baha'u'llah, where Moshe Rabbeinu says, this I can't do. And he wants to basically opt out. He, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu wants to sign out. And Hashem institutes the 70 elders at that point to help Moshe Rabbeinu, not as much with the numbers, but with the burden. You know, you can have, if you have a bunch of really cooperative people, then, you know, that, that can be a joy. And the more the merrier, Barovam Hadras Melech. But if you have, you know, even one or two that are really, really complicated, so that, that you know, that, that makes it hard to shoulder that burden. And so the reason why this is significant also if you don't want to use the bookend approach, which I still think we can uphold, but you can still explain that Moshe Rabbeinu, in a certain sense, was not plagiarizing from Yisro, Shalom, but he's actually maybe you know, emphatically saying that what Yisro was concerned about remains not to be my concern as much, even though I conceded to Yisro, and even though Hashem agreed that this was the right thing to do, to add judges, but it all could have been done, so to speak, or I, I at least would have worried much less, and I would not have agreed on my own that lo chalases mosam that I'm not, you know, that I'm not able to hold them up by myself. Moshe Rabbeinu would have, um, you know, would have been able to, at least himself, keep pushing, if not for the fact that they were so burdensome, if not for the fact that they were so oppositional, if not for the fact that they were complaining so much. And this connects to Baha'u'llah in the sense that Baha'u'llah, of course, was, was this again was what Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about, but Baha'u'llah was the beginning of the end. Remember, we spoke about how Baha'u'llah, at least in my opinion, is, is the most difficult parsha emotionally. Um, we, we, we gave a bunch of reasons why it's a difficult parsha. But the emotional aspect is that this is the beginning of the end. It's the series of unfortunate events which culminates into the Chet HaMaraglim. And again, the, the next step after leaving Har Sinai, okay, yes, there was, there was a hiccup in the road, there was a bump in the road, the Chet Egel, but we built the Mishkan, okay, yes, there was another hiccup at the, at the eighth day of the Miluim with Nadav and Aviyu, fine. But eventually Bamidbar comes and we start moving, right? And then 
and then, then we should be going into Eretz Yisrael. That's where we have Baha'u'llah and all the trouble started. And once the trouble started, you know, it snowballed until the Chet Hamaraglim happened. Thus, Moshe Rabbeinu says, that's how we got there. And that helps us, you know, again, understand Moshe Rabbeinu's setting. This is going to be the beginning of a long book of Musr, a long book of instruction of how to do things right, because we spent, uh, you know, the um, unfortunately, the first couple of years not doing things right, and that led to 38 years, and that led to an elongated um, gallus. But it doesn't have to be that way. And Be'ezras um, Hashem, you know, as we move through, so next week with Vayas Chanan, we're going to continue to try to piece together Moshe Rabbeinu's piecing of history and also get to Moshe Rabbeinu's actual message. Right now is just the intro. Devarim is all introduction. And now we understand what Moshe Rabbeinu's point is. He gives historical background with purpose. He, he tells us what he's going to tell us. Um, and from the outset, he sets the stage with, um, again, with, with, with purpose and in a certain sense with style. And as we're going to see Ben Ezra Hashem, um, we're going to see what that purpose ultimately is. But that takes us through Parshas Devarim. So welcome to the new Sefer. Welcome to this new adventure, but once again with the same mission. And um, I, I thank you for joining us here at the database and wishing you a wonderful Shabbos Chazon. And um, Bezras Hashem, there should not have to be a Tishabov, we should not have to relive the Chetamaraglam in any which way, but we should be Zoha to reaching the destination that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted us to reach. And of course, the, the, the place that we're supposed to get, the place that Moshe Rabbeinu, with his final address, is helping us reach, so we should reach that destination as well, um, this time with the rebuilding of the base of Migdash Mehrib Hey, have a wonderful Shabbos. Thanks again for joining us at the database.